What's up, everybody? My name is Janelle James, and you're listening to Polly Podcast, a political podcast to inform younger voters. And that little girl was me. Black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white yeah, girls and sisters and brothers. It's crazy. Like, our, our country is in a hellhole right now. All for a fucking wall. And we really need to take this serious. We, I feel like we need to take some action. I don't know what type of action is because this is not what I do. But <laughs> I'm scared. Period. 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 Only 49% of millennials voted in the 2016 presidential election compared to 68% of baby boomers, despite there being more millennials. And my goal with Poly Podcast is to inform younger people about politics in a fun and interesting way so that when it's time to vote, they can make more conscious decisions at the polls. Now, by no means am I a political expert, so I advise you not to base your opinion solely on what I talk about. Before we get into this week's topic, I want to do a little recap because a lot has happened since the last episode of Polly Podcast. So Amy Klobuchar takes herself out of the consideration for vice president, and here's why. I think the right thing to do right now, and I told this to uh, Vice President Biden, uh, is to put a woman of color on the ticket as the next vice president of our country. When I heard that she took herself out i thought that there had to be another reason because let's be honest here if somebody asked you to be the vice president of the united states you're not just gonna turn it down for no reason and hey maybe she truly believes that a black woman should be vice president which i a hundred percent agree with and i stand by it but i think there was another reason and when I was listening to The Breakfast Club and I heard Charlemagne talk about this, it when he said what he said really made sense to me. And he was just basically saying how Amy Klobuchar is the senator of Minnesota and George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So if she was to become the vice president, there would be a lot of backlash from that. And I could see that happening. Joe Biden already isn't a strong candidate in my opinion. So if he was to have Amy Klobuchar as his VP, that would weaken his campaign even more. Well, that's all I got for the recap. Now let's get into the podcast. So for today's episode, I want to talk about voter suppression and how it affects the black community. In this podcast, I will define what voter suppression is, the tactics used to suppress, and its impact on black voters. To me, voter suppression is just another form of discrimination against people of color and African Americans. In cities where the majority of the population is black, we often see a lot of malfunction and chaos with elections compared to in cities where the majority of the population is white. 
But to give you an exact definition, voter suppression is in any effort, either legal or illegal, by way of laws, administrative rules, and or tactics that prevents eligible voters to register or vote. To give y'all an idea of what voter suppression is, I'm going to use the presidential election in 2016 in Detroit, Michigan. So Detroit is the largest city in Michigan with 79% of the population being black. So on election day in 2016, there were over 80 voting machines that malfunctioned. That means that an estimated 59% of precincts across the city had ballot discrepancies. We see this happening all the time throughout the country in cities like Detroit, where mostly black people live, but we never hear about it happening in cities like Troy or Rochester Hills or any other suburban city. Why? Because they never had to deal with things like this. And that is voter suppression. Since voting is different in every state, there are a lot of tactics used to suppress voters, but I'm just going to touch on a few. And one of them I want to talk about is funding. Now, in some states, local and primary elections are paid for with tax dollars. So in urban cities where a lot of the population is considered low income, they're not bringing in as much money as suburban cities. So they aren't going to have the best technology for voting. And they may even have to close some polling places because of lack of funding, which results in long lines. But every state is different. I know that in Michigan, the states pays the state pay for presidential and primary elections and they reimburse local governments. But not every state does that. Gerrymandering is also another tactic used to suppress voters and gerrymandering, for those of you who don't know, is creating congressional districts to benefit one party over another. Now, there are so many things wrong with gerrymandering that I'm going to have to save that for another podcast. But the problem in this sense is gerrymandering and its, re its relation to prisoners. Now, prisoners are still considered u.s citizens and they are counted in the census but they can't vote in most cases and this affects the black community because most of these prisoners are black in 2017 blacks represented 12 percent of the u.s adult population but 33 percent of the prison population make it make sense so all of these black men and women who are in prison are being counted as citizens, but they can't vote. And this results in the black vote being weakened because a large portion of our population is being locked up. Now, when you think about having an ID, you would think that that's a common thing that most people have. So when I found that states that have strict laws that require photo identification or some type of other identification to vote, I didn't think that this was discriminatory because maybe because I'm young, but I just thought that everybody had an ID. Even if you don't have a driver's license, you might have a state ID or like a military ID or some type of way to identify yourself. But when I was looking into it further, I realized that these strict laws that require you to have a photo ID is discriminatory because people who are low, like low income families, people of color and students, those are populations that don't tend to have ID because, you know, if you're a low income family, you, 
you may not be able to afford to have a car or you may rely on public transportation. So in that case, you don't need a driver's license. And that's the same for students. Not everybody rushes to get their license at 16 like I did. And then let's say like other minority communities, they might have they might not have identification either. So yeah, that's discriminatory. And when you really think about it, you shouldn't even have to show photo ID when you go to the polls. I feel like you should only show your voter identification card and that should be enough because when you register to vote, you have to show your ID anyway to register. So if you have a voter identification card, that should imply that you have some type of ID because you had to have ID to even register to vote. Some other tactics used to suppress voters is polling closures, which causes voter confusion because people don't know where to go to vote. Voter purges, which doesn't allow people to vote if they haven't voted for a certain period of time is another tactic used to suppress as well as voter intimidation or harassment at the polls. Fun fact, did you know that Michigan now has same day voter registration? Yes, in 2018 proposal three was passed that allowed Michigan residents to register to vote on election day. This is a really important piece of legislation because a lot of people were veered away from voting because they forgot to register or they wasn't registered and they couldn't do it the day of. Most of the time, voter suppression really only benefits the Republican Party. And it's no secret that most, not all, but most black people vote Democrat. In 2016, 48% of black voters considered themselves a strong Democrat. I saw this post on Instagram a few weeks ago that really caught my attention. And what it was, it was naming states that Trump won because black people didn't vote. And if you guys don't know what post I'm referring to, I'll put it in the description so that you can take a look at it for yourselves. But I'm just going to read a few so y'all get an idea of what I'm talking about. So in Michigan, Trump won by 11,000 votes, but 277,000 black people didn't vote in Detroit. He won Georgia by 211,000 votes, but 530,000 black people didn't vote in Atlanta. And the list goes on and on. When I first saw this post, I was thinking like, wow, if black people would have just voted, things would be different. But then I had to think, why weren't black people voting? And it's not because we lazy or we ignorant or we don't care about politics. It's the fact that there are so many obstacles that we are faced with that makes it much more difficult to vote. I mean, think about all the stuff that people have to go through. Imagine getting up and getting ready to go vote. You go to your correct polling place and then they tell you, oh, this is not your correct polling place. You have to go to this place. And then you go there and you have to wait in line for three, four, five, six hours. And you might be missing work or you might have a child you got to pick up and you just can't afford to wait all day. Or you get there, you go vote and 
the machine breaks. So then you have to wait and you have to do it all over again. These are the type of things that happens in black communities that prevents us from voting. It's not because we lazy or we don't care. It's just that we have to go through so much. Let's move on to our next segment, which is POW time. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. POW time stands for politician slash policy of the week. In every episode, I either highlight a politician who I think has done a good job in representing their congressional district or a policy that I really think will benefit the American people. Since I featured a policy in my last episode this week, I will highlight a politician. So this week's POW time goes to Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters is a U.S. Congressional Representative from California's 43rd District. She has been a representative of California since 1991 and was re-elected in 2018, making that her 15th term. Ooh. She is known for being fearless and very outspoken, especially when it comes to people of color. Some of her most notable legislation is the Landmark Affirmative Action and the nation's first statewide child abuse prevention training program. Not to mention that this amazing woman is 81 years old and still doing it. Being that I love politics and one day I wanna go into it, she is definitely somebody that I look up to and I hope I can be just as impactful as Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Before I end this podcast, y'all already know I have to give my hashtag I voted shout out. Every episode, I shout out someone who has either registered to vote for the 2020 election or who has voted in the 2020 primaries. And the reason why I do this is to encourage political participation because there is power in voting. So this week's hashtag I voted shout out goes to Savion Jones, who is 19 years old and is registered in Oakland County. Thank you for being politically involved, and I hope you encourage your friends to do the same. If you want to shout out on my next podcast, all you have to do is comment under my hashtag I voted thread with your name, age, and the county that you're registered in, and of course, hashtag I voted. You can follow me on social media at Janelle three underscores J that is Janelle J A N E L L E three underscores J on Instagram and Twitter. And I will also have my social media in the description. That's a wrap. If you didn't get anything from this podcast, the one takeaway you should have is to go vote. My name is Janelle James and you just listened to Polly podcast. <laughs>